One Week Season. Week 17 edition of the OWS Week in Review. I am your host, Todd Burrows, and I will be joined in a moment by a man who told you to play the Bengals, Mark Garcia. And we will go over our process. We will see whether Mark himself played the Bengals. And if, unlike, unfortunately, like my best ball team, he played Joe Mixon over Chase. In fact, yesterday, folks, in the FFPC best ball final, if I had a guy on a team, it was the other guy on the team who scored all the touchdowns. It was one of those days. But we're moving on. We're not depressed much. And we are now going to bring in a man who does not like watching the New Year's Rocking Eve because it makes him very nervous when the one ball drops. (laughs) Mark Garcia. I hate that fucking ball. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) (laughs) What's up, man? What if it drops? Um, Oh, no. I only only have one more week to think of ball (laughs) jokes, and then it's over. Yeah. It's kind of and then, and then I can move on with my life and think about things other than your testicles. <laughs> oh, what are you going to do with yourself now? Um, I might go nuts. You might go nut. <laughs> well, nuts. that sounds weird. <laughs> um, all right. So, uh, Mark, this was a week where um, you uh, discovered, uh, rightly so, a um, a chalk build, you know, we've had a couple weeks in a row where the chalk build wasn't as obvious and there were definitely more ways to play it. I really felt like this was a week where you were pretty locked into certain chalk builds. What was your findings and did it play out that way? Yeah. So it was, it was very clear to me um, this week, how people were going to try and build their rosters. They were going to try and do whatever they could uh, to get exposure to either Cooper cup, Jonathan Taylor, sometimes both. Um, and that there, that isn't just that like, Hey, these guys are expected to have ownership, but like the layers built upon that um, involve like all the perceived value available at the running back position involved um, some cheap tight ends that opened up throughout the week It involved a chalky Braxton Berrios. So we kind of had a good idea of like what rosters we're going to look at. So chalky Braxton oh, yeah. Berrios um, turned out to be good chalk. I uh, I had I ended up with three out of five Braxton uh, this past week, so yeah. Um, it, I it have, just, I ended up with three out of a hundred. Oh no shit! Oh yeah, yeah, it just like was the it was the clearest path, and I just wrote this somewhere else today, but it was the clearest path to double digit targets of any player priced below four K this season. So I was just like, I'm just gonna take the volume and take the certainty that comes with that volume. I mean, it was very, very likely that he was going to post at least three X and then a obvious upside for more. Uh, and then we saw that obviously, you know, he went for almost eight X uh, on his salary this week, but um, leave, yeah, I just leave Zandamir out of this. Yeah. I just wanted the certainty where I knew that there was certainty 
um, because I because I was able to identify the chalk builds uh, at a very high confidence level this week. I knew that I could easily leverage elsewhere, uh, which is what I ended up doing. I was sick. Um, and thankfully, I don't think it was COVID. I think it was just one of my normal sinus infections because it responded right away to antibiotic. Um, but um, between worrying about my best ball, even though I couldn't do anything about it, yeah. I put less thought into this week than any other week. I didn't watch the Saturday show. Um, so I missed out on a lot. Um, I... That, you know, and I, I, I did get, a you know, like a lot of weeks, I got a lot right, but not enough to really nail it. Um, in the lead, I talked about how you had recommended the Bengals. Um, how did that play out as it related to your lineups? So this was a very, very frustrating week for me. Not because of the results I made as money. compared to all the other weeks this year. No, this is a no, because I made a mistake. And that gotcha. pisses me off. And it's a mistake that I've made over and over again. And I keep relearning this lesson. Um, and that was I had exposure to the Bengals. And I did not have exposure to Chase. I was so heavy on that game, that game environment. I got every other like one-off floating play. I got them all right. I got running back right. I, I got everything right. Like I faded who I needed to fade. And I played who I needed to play and I did not play Jamar Chase. So I didn't have a chance of winning anything. Um, and what, what, what's funny for me is I did really well um, at running back. I did really well with, uh, I, you know, I was under on Swift. I didn't trust him. I was on, under on uh, Sony Michelle a little bit, um, although not as much as I thought, I guess, at the end here. Um but I decided, <laughs> and, and and Jamar Chase was one of my most owned best ball people because remember when he dropped a few passes in spring training, mm -hmm. and and, and like he dropped like from, from, he dropped from like the fourth round to the sixth. I mean, I ended up with so much of him, but it all got eliminated. Before, you know, he was you know he wasn't on my best ball team. And I decided since I had Joe Mixon and Tyreek Hill on my best ball team, I would throw in a lot of that combination into my my lineups. Oh, um, man. I wish we would have spoken because I would have said to go the other way with that. Hedge the <laughs> other way. <laughs> well, I, I decided that, you know what, I always call you. You needed to call me and you didn't. Oh, fuck me, huh? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I, no, dude, I, we, uh, I, I really wasn't feeling good on Saturday. Yeah. I was in bed most of the day. I'd get up. My sinuses would bother me. Well, I'm sorry to hear about that. Um, you know, I had 5%. I think it was Joe Burrow. And I had, let me look. Yeah, I went 5-5 five and five on Burrow and Mahomes. And really, honestly, it was, you know, uh, an egregious mistake in process. Um, I really didn't like the the Cardinal Dallas game all that much. Um, and what I did a lot this week was play uh, naked Trey and naked Taysom. And I also played uh, about 14% Kyler Murray because I felt that Kyler was really going low owned mm -hmm. and was a good play. But um, 
live and learn. I mean, the Bengals, man. I, I mean, it just, it was just, it, I don't know what else to say. Yeah. Um, and I cut you off probably like three times there. So catch up with everything you need to say. No, no, you're fine. I was going to say this weekend we were, uh, my, my youngest is sick as well. Um, we don't think it's COVID either. It's just uh, a head cold, but he's been running a fever. Um, and he, when he, he's like our neediest kid. And we talked about this before this pod, but he's like our neediest, neediest kid. Yeah. Benjamin. And when he's sick, he's like the prototypical, like what women say about men when they're sick, but he like takes that to the most extreme level. So he's super clingy, super needy. And mama's taking care of him all the time. So she's had a rough two or three days. Uh, and then I've been in charge of the rest of the kids outside of that. So yeah, it's been, uh, this weekend was a lot. Um, but yeah, it's, uh, maybe I'll give you a call this Saturday and, and, uh, <laughs> well, I'll probably feel <laughs> better and want to call you. It's the last week. Yeah. Um, anyway, um, you know, pay up running backs or wide receivers not named Taylor or Cup. Um, what did you mean by that? I meant all of the the high priced options at the running back and the wide receiver position were expected to come in extremely low owned outside of those two plays. And if the field was fitting in Trey Lance, or I guess playing Trey Lance and playing Braxton Berrios in order to fit those two very specific players it was so easy to just be like, all right, I'm not going to play those players. I'm going to play the other high price dudes. The worst part about this week is I did not play a single share of Jonathan Taylor or Cooper cup. That was completely fine. But I played instead of those guys, I played Travis Kelsey. I played uh, Tyreek Hill. I played some Austin Eckler. I played the other guys. I played one share of Joe Mixon. I, I kind of came off of him just because I, I kind of, uh, highlighted some other areas that I could try and gain some leverage uh, that I didn't think it was necessary to go to Mixon. Um, but I played all these other guys, but I did not play Jamar Chase, who fits in that, uh, like one of my highest leverage points completely. Yeah. And, and, was and part he's of the also the guy that I've been playing all year because he, it, you know, what he did is kind of who he is, right? He's a deep threat. He's, He's got amazing ability to go up and grab a ball. And he's the kind of guy who that could put up 40, 50 points. And unfortunately, yeah. it's just been one of those years. I had a very good best ball year. But DFS, I just I, I, I just seem to zig when I should have zagged. Yeah. And I'm not, this isn't like a hindsight thing where I'm like, oh, Jamar Chase smashed. Why didn't I play him? It's no, it's like I identified where the the leverage that I wanted to attack was. And I played every other player up there except Jamar Chase. And that pisses me off uh, because he was the player that I should have been honed in on the most because he was part of the game environment that I liked the most on the week. So, uh, yeah. Yeah. I, was uh, your your next point was Daryl Williams, DeAndre Swift, Eli Mitchell. Um, I was super high on Daryl Williams. In fact, I wouldn't be surprised if he was my highest owned player. Let me. Yeah, I had thirty seven percent Daryl Williams. Yeah. Um, I was very down on. It was kind of like the three bears. I was super high on Williams. I was. Super low on Swift, even though I did end up with 13%. Um, 
but it was way less than what the optimizer was originally calling for. And Mitchell, the optimizer, didn't like, and I got him to 16%, which was a nice overweight position, which again makes it all the more frustrating that I didn't mix this enough with, you know, I had three Jamar Chase lineups out of 100. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, man. I ended up uh I ended up five of five Darrell Williams and four of five Eli Mitchell. So um I was not afraid to take the stand with those two plays in particular. Um and obviously they, you know, they combined for 49.7 points. So uh the one of the bigger things I got right, obviously Braxton Berrios, three out of five as well. Um, uh, but just not like the just coming back to the Jamar Chase thing, it's just like I don't understand how it could be highlighting that game, but not taking you know the most dynamic playmaking player off of the Bengals into consideration. Yeah, if we had talked and 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 you had convinced me on the game, I would have totally had you on Chase. Yep, because I've been playing and it would have gotten me on him more because I'd been playing him a ton. Um. And then I had the I, I actually had him in two lineups, and they originally had been the same lineup. And I switched them at the the, the Millie Maker. I took out I forget who I took out, but I put in Cooper, Albert O, and Chase Edmonds in the three flexes, and I took out. Uh, and in the other lineup, I had uh, uh, Callaway, Fant, and DJ Moore. And of mm -hmm. course, I had T. Higgins. It was a double stack. Um, okay. The other running back that I was very high on that did well was Jared Patterson. I thought I think you know if you're a best ball guy next year, um, I I really like his talent, and uh, I thought that he was going to have a pretty good game. I was off of him. Um, I uh, I basically was off of him all week. Um, and it stayed that way through the end of the weekend. Um, but when Jordan Howard was ruled in and the team also signed, uh, who was it? Carry on Johnson before the game, I came to the conclusion that Philly was likely going to utilize only two running backs heavily. And that being Boston Scott and Kenneth Gainwell, um, because I think, Carry on Johnson was brought in obviously for a depth piece. Um, and I figured that Jordan Howard would not see a heavy workload because he's had this injury before this next stinger uh, last year. And he ended up missing like two or three games with a, what was like a stinger last year. And we're all like, what is going on? Like what kind of stinger keeps you out for two or three games? Um, but it's one of those weird like neck issues that, that when you are running back taking repeated beatings, um, it's obviously very painful and, and can aggravate that. So I actually, I came over to Boston Scott um, in a similar price range. Uh, and I had him on, uh, I only had one of five, but I did have exposure to him. I, I played a little Boston Scott, but um, I felt that Patterson was a, a real point of differentiation um, where I could get a low placed running back that I felt, you know, uh, at four eight, I figured you know he was good for three or four catches and fifty yards, right? Mm -hmm. So I figured you know I'd get ten twelve points on the low end. He wouldn't kill me, and um, anyway, it didn't matter because I didn't have Jamar Chase. <laughs> yeah, all of this it didn't matter. 
it, yeah. but from a process standpoint, it, it was good process, right? You yeah. got a, you know, um, you got a running back who, you know, if uh, Gibson was healthy, you know, we probably would have played him, right? And Patterson walked into a better role than Gibson because Patterson, well, I mean, Gibson has pass game chops too. Uh, but with McKissick out, you know, I mean, Patterson was, you know, and they showed that they liked him. Wasn't that, the, you know what I mean? They had showed yeah. that they liked him. It was the um, same process that got me to to Scott. I dig it. Yeah. Uh, Tampa Bay Bucks was another one of your choices. And um, they were literally undressed in the end zone. <laughs> yeah. So that was, uh, that came with an asterisk because it was basically just like pay attention to what was going to be going on with that team. Um, the way it panned out with, the reports of Mike Evans playing uh, situationally or, or sparingly um, the way where I guess Antonio Brown came back. So um, both of those were like the big unknowns. There were also unknowns with their defense with uh, Jamel Dean and Sean Murphy bunting being on the COVID list right up until the weekend. Um, So there was just a lot of moving pieces. So the big picture there was like, Hey, this, we got to, team who is top three in the league in scoring they're playing the jets let's keep an eye on this see what happens through the weekend i ended up with zero exposure uh to the bucks i hated rojo uh i expressed as much on the saturday pod uh so i just completely stayed away i played barrios and i didn't play any bucks i almost never do this but i took rojo out of my player pool yep i rarely what i what i did with the some of the other chalk. This I I ended up even weight on Monty, and because late in the day I got into this is another one that boy if I had only had more chase, um, I, I I it just dawned on me, you know that the Bears were not all that owned, right? And I started by hand making some changes. I got the Bears up to eleven percent, and that got me into more. Montgomery as well. Um, yeah, the Bears defense was my top defense on the week. Um, so that got another thing I got right. And then didn't matter. No, no, because we didn't have Jamar Chase. <laughs> yeah. And uh, and uh, yeah, all right. And so, yeah, oh, the one buck I was kind of into was Perriman. Yeah, and that was that was an if either Brown or Mike Evans were out. Because well, Brown was out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not going he, into he the bra- game. <laughs> he, he literally browned out. Oh my god, dude, that was uh, that was epic. What? Real quick on that. Because, I feel bad for him. No, real quick on that because there's people throwing spears on both sides, like the the screw Antonio Brown side and the like um, screw Arian side. It's like, dudes, we have no idea. All we have are like reports from his agent, and then like reports from like. Adam Schefter and, and Ian Rappaport. Like we have no idea what happened. Um, the whole thing seems fishy. I would just like stop throwing shade uh, on either of those two guys uh, and let what has to settle settle because people are just so quick to just like start shitting on people. And it's like, we have no idea what happened there. So, well, yeah. the, the big thing with Antonio Brown and, and I will address it because I don't mind going there is that, 
you know, a lot of people point to the big hit that Vontae Burfitt gave him that, you know, right after that is when he started acting that way. Mm-hmm. I, I That I don't know. I, I don't know why, but all of a sudden Antonio Brown has shown over a number of years now poor impulse control. Oh, yeah, for sure. That is all not right. Question. And and it has gotten him in trouble repeatedly. And, you know, I don't know what happened here or what didn't. But I do know that taking your clothes off, throwing them all over the field <laughs> is doing jumping jacks in the end zone. <laughs> Was was, you know, and I'm a big Antonio Brown guy. I mean, I love the talent. I drafted a lot of them this year uh, more when he was in the ninth, tenth round. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, he was definitely a big target of mine. I knew it was risky because of his lack of impulse control. And, you know, so whether you want to blame him or Bruce Arians, I, I really don't care. Um, I, I do know that, you know, he, it's, he got himself in this position by poor impulse control and it, it'll be, I won't say it'll be completely surprising if we ever see him again, but, um, the NFL has a way of, um, Dealing with guys who are no longer at the top. If you remember Terrell Owens, every he could always find a place to go right up until he started becoming just another above average player. Yeah. It's like, you know, they won't put up with it if you're above average. They will only put up with that if you're great. Yeah. And as soon as Terrell average, uh, you know, Terrell for years would say, I, I was good enough to keep playing. He He was. He clearly had two or three more very solid years in him, but no one would put up with his nonsense because he wasn't a lead anymore. I think that's where we're at with Antonio Brown. So, um, you know, we've covered the highlights. The last name you had on your list was Tyler Boyd. I think we covered that with, um, and and again, I would have argued that one with you uh, because again, you know, in a GPP, a guy like Tyler Boyd, who's likely to give you at most 20 points, um, he wasn't that much cheaper. Uh, but um, what were your thoughts there? Uh, it was a likeliest game flow versus matchup uh, decision. And um, I'm clearly like analyzing what brought me to, you know, what thought process led me there um, It was flawed. Uh, because the game environment was never going to open up because of Tyler Boyd. So you're not giving yourself enough outs with a play like that because he needs a very specific game environment, game flow, very specific matchup to see the volume required um, to provide a GPP worthy score, uh, even at, you know, 5.4 or whatever his salary was. Um, so it, I was playing to one game flow as opposed to leaving myself outs with a player like Jamar Chase. Yeah. Yeah. I don't see, I don't see Boyd as a bad um, player to fill out a roster. Um, You know, like he's a guy that I would, in fact, I want to see something. I don't think I did. I think I tied the Bengals players to a matchup because I like Daryl Williams so much. Mm-hmm. Um, 
Yeah, I I did not let the the Bengals wide receivers flow free um, because, you know, I wanted them to bring Daryl Williams back. Yeah. Um, Anyway, um, any last thoughts on the week, Hilo? Man, it was just a bummer to be so locked in and so in tune and then uh, have that one thing. Yeah, I, I as I said, I, I was so locked in on best ball and I had a profitable year. I had a 30 percent pass through rate overall, which is really good considering I really didn't have a great year picking players. I had three mm-hmm. percent Cooper Cup. There are a couple other guys, you know, I didn't have much Derek Henry when he was crushing it. Um, so the fact that I got 30 percent through, I, I really felt like um, showed that my system. Mm-hmm. is really good. And so my focus next year is going to be to make sure that I'm removing my biases even more and making sure that um I, I'm I'm really analyzing these situations to to find, you know, uh because Cooper Cup was strictly a bias thing for me. Uh coming off two knee injuries, I thought, oh no way. And but someone was uh, we all like Matt Stafford. Someone was going to be the beneficiary. I should have at least had five, six, seven percent Cooper Cup. Mm-hmm. Yep, hundred percent. Well, I know that's kind of off the track a bit, but uh, but here we are. Best, I got best ball on the mind. That's right. I saw all you right. uh, mention actually. I saw you mention on Twitter that you're not getting into the playoff uh, best balls. No. Uh, because okay so let, let's let's talk about that you know yeah. one unlike regular best ball it it has a lot more to do with like you know picking winners right who's going to get further that's not a strength of mine second of all in general i don't like to play things too much that i haven't studied mm-hmm. uh, i think that i it's very easy well i'm a best ball guy well, I did that last year during the divorce and I had a bad year. So, um, yeah, it's uh, I'm much more likely to play the FFPC contest than I am the um, because that you only pick one player from each team. So mm-hmm. it brings in certain elements of strategy. But the one on underdog, I'm not a big fan of, although I did a few. Yeah, I just think they're yeah, the game theoretic elements that are in play in those uh, playoff best balls, uh, FFPC included, um, are so numerous and so diverse that uh, it's a highly profitable um, expected value endeavor if you kind of tell yourself that you don't know what, what you don't know and then just kind of play the strategy angles from there. Well, I would be very interested in discussing that with you. Yes, sir. And perhaps putting a couple uh, FFPC teams together. Yeah, dude, let's do that. Let's do that. We're doing it. It is done. Decided. I, right I now. think that you and I have talked about partnering, and I think we should do it. Let's um, do it, dude. I, I definitely feel like for regular best ball, it was just so gratifying to have a theory and for it to work so well, even without getting the right players in a lot of cases, mm-hmm. um, I am just the only thing that I'm really motivated for this offseason now 
is to really lock in on these situations and really spend a lot of time kind of digging through the stuff that you're good at, you know, that you studied all year. You know, what's the offensive coordinator? What's the tendency? Who are the players? You know, I, I just think that there's still a big edge there, um, much more than people. Um, and then if you combine it with solid roster c- construction and exposure, I think you can have a really good return on your investment. Yeah, for sure. All right. Um, I think that's going to do it. I know we drifted, but um, I, I, for one, have to be honest that the losing this year, I've never had a year like this at DFS. It has gotten to me. So I apologize that um, we keep drifting to something I didn't suck at so far. <laughs> um, oh, and, you know, but look, it is the one week season. You said that uh, two weeks ago. And then we've had a number of very successful people take down tournaments recently. Um, it will only take one week for me to be successful. It's just going to be interesting next week. Next week, uh, the last week of the year is always kind of a S show. And then you throw in COVID on top of it. And you, you might as well be playing blind darts a little bit. But uh, let's see how it goes. Yes, sir. I'm excited about next week, actually diving into that. Awesome. Well, you've done a fabulous job laying everything out this year. It's a shame neither of us have put it together for a big week, but hopefully, Hilo, we both get blessed next week. And I will see you for the last show of the year next week. Yes, sir. See you guys.